0: Welcome to episode 18 of Learning with Young Leaders. Moving forward, we release an episode every alternate Wednesday, where we share stories and experiences of young leaders for you to learn from their experiences and how they set themselves up for success. Listening to hear how many of these guests discover their passion and drive in life that allows them to do well at what they love best. In this episode, we have Jake, founder of Trendsetters a Gen Z ad agency that helps brands understand and reach Generation Z consumers. Jake shares about his entrepreneurial journey, what is unique about Gen Z, the different phases of personal and business development, and much more. Do subscribe to our podcast for the latest episodes and support us by sharing this with whoever would benefit from it. If you wish to connect with like-minded individuals, do join our LinkedIn group as well. Now, let's hear from Jake. Hi, Jake. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for doing this. And yeah, we're super excited to be speaking you, to you today. And it's really interesting because you you are sort of like a, w- would you say, a Gen Z expert of some
1: sorts? Yeah, I mean, I try to be. I, n- I never like to say expert. I just like to say um, I'm in our generation, so that's...
0: Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so, so it's really interesting. And I think it's something I personally would relate a lot to as well. But just just to kickstart the whole session, why don't we get to know you a bit better? Like what you're doing currently, which stage of like your life journey are you at now? And how do you even come to where you are at this moment?
1: Yeah, certainly. So I'm actually the founder of um, a company called Trendsetters. And we are really a Gen Z ad agency that helps brands understand and reach Generation Z consumers. Now, a lot of what we do does relevant to kind of younger millennials, older like Gen Alpha. Uh, but we like to work in that cohort between the age of like 10 to 30. And, you know, myself, I'm a 21-year-old individual. Everyone that works with us, our team of now 19, is all between the ages of 17 and 26. Uh, or wait, no, 27 now. Yeah, we're getting a little bit older. So, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. And we work with Fortune 500 brands like McDonald's, North North Face, Denny's, United Healthcare. We also work with a lot of startups and SMBs. So it's good to be able to see kind of both sides of that. And, And we'll actually ideate, strategize, and execute on marketing campaigns for brands across the board.
0: Wow. So you're only 21. And when do you get started?
1: Yeah. So Trendsetters, I started this technically in high school as a Snapchat kind of marketing company and such when I was like 17 and then I kind of revamped that, iterated some things when when was I then, I think like two and a half years ago. So it's been, a, it's been a journey for sure, but it's been an exciting one.
0: Wow. I mean, that's even younger than me. <laughs> but wow, what a journey. So you started in high school and what sparked even the initial like Snapchat idea?
1: Yeah, I don't know if it was anything that sparked the idea on the business side. What it was is my friends and I were just kind of, you know, I was really interested in entrepreneurship, business, things of that nature. I really didn't know the marketing and media side, at least the business infrastructure of that. I, I knew it well, though. And so we built up kind of a media presence on Snapchat where we had 25,000 followers locally, which was pretty much unheard of at that time on Snapchat. I mean, this was before even like DJ Colleen used to go crazy on Snapchat and had a lot of updates or it was easier to follow like influencers, quote unquote. So, you know, from there, we just had a cool audience here locally in Kansas city. And um, we started working with local brands and apparel companies and restaurants and bars and so on to get people into their door. And I'll, I'll, I'll never forget, you know, walking in, looking for a brand partnership. And really I just wanted to promote it just cause, and then this company offered me $300 to do a, motion on the platform. And that's when it sparked me. I was like, wait a second, there's a business model here because I'm bringing customers into their door and I know how to reach them and they don't know how to, and that is valuable and that's worth money. So then I, you know, dove into it a little bit more and, you know, learned all the ins and outs of, of the game and got introduced to the agency realm, which is a crazy realm for that matter. And kind of like a cult like realm. So yeah, from there, that was kind of how it, it was started and how it's kind of evolved since.
0: Okay, so were people like, because you're established that kind of presence, so people were starting to like approach your event to to like
1: get yeah get you to help them promote their their stuff. Yeah, I mean, it was just we had an understanding of how to reach younger individuals, and we already have that audience base, and you know that that's no different than than where we are today. You know, now instead of working with SMEs and startups for. Three hundred dollars. It's closer to five, ten, fifteen, twenty thousand a month. So it, it's a little bit different, but at the end of the day, it's it's still that same presence of hey, we know how to best engage younger individuals right now. That's Gen Z because we are within that generation. Whether it's Snapchat, TikTok, influencers, any myriad of social media, brand positioning, new product innovation, whatever it is. We leverage our insight and connection through that younger generation and how to reach them to then help our brand partners uh, get best positioned to do so.
0: Wow. Okay. And at that point in time, were you still schooling? I mean, are you still schooling now? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I was I was still in school then, obviously in high school, graduated high school. And then, you know, I was accepted into... Uh, you know, the the university I wanted to get into, just a local KU, like Kansas University, nothing special by any means. And so I I spent my freshman year in college. So I did my freshman year of college. But while I was there, balancing kind of a social life, a little bit of school. And, you know, I, what actually kind of triggered me to, to then lead to dropping out was my first month of college, I actually shattered my jaw in about seven places. And I wouldn't recommend for anyone listening to, to do so. It's like, you know, of all the bones to break outside of the skull, it's probably the worst because apparently, like, you use your jaw a lot to eat, to talk, to move your mouth ever, to brush your teeth. So uh, having that wired shut, if you ever heard, like, Kanye through the wire uh, for our listeners here, like, that's that was what I lived through for three months. And going through that experience, I understood that, wow, like, not there's a, there's an opportunity in this space. I know I can do this and I, this is what I love to do. I'm in school for marketing and entrepreneurship. Let me go out and and try to do this because I'd much rather just make it on my own rather than wait four years, get a degree, then get into this. When by then who knows what the market's going to look like. And right now I should be a senior in college. So if I'm, you know, planning to graduate in May of 2021 with my degree, not only is the job market still probably going to be awful, assuming COVID hasn't been solved, which I don't think it will, at least here in the United States. Um, unemployment rate, things of that nature, economic decline, who knows how the election affects that. It, it would just be an awful time to start a business, especially when in marketing and media, where right now the industry is in turmoil right now, you know, outside of agencies that are well-positioned to, to service it. So you know, I, I, I kind of made the decision that after my freshman year, I was managing trendsetters too, and the last day of class, I went straight downtown, spent the last money I had in my name, about $600 to get an office space for just that one month, brought on a team of my friends and such, and was like, guys, let's hustle, let's do this thing. And uh, within about a month, we had paying clients. We were featured on local news channels, and we got in touch with some really big local brands. And basically at that point, it just got to the level where, It was, it would be foolish financially for me to even go back to school, let alone the time barrier. For me, you know, being a younger individual, the one thing that all young people have to understand is the number one, the number one thing you have on older individuals is time. And there's nothing else. They're going to be smarter than you. They're going to be more wise. They're likely going to have more money. Majority of the time, they're going to have more experience. They're going to have worked with these incredible brands. And you're not going to be able to overcome that. There's just things you have to do that just take time. But the one thing you have on them is is time itself. And so if you can make the most of your time, you know, I, I, I would highly advise doing so. And for myself, I said, I want to make the most of, of this, this short window that I know this can exist and see what I can do. Because worst case scenario, I'll go back to school. And now what's funny is we have a team pretty large. We only have a couple uh, team members on our on our team with actual college degrees. Most are college dropouts or just didn't go the college route. So it's been interesting to see that kind of come to fruition. I wouldn't say I'm anti-college, but I'm very pro going your own route and it doesn't have to be starting a business, but it could be anything. So, so for myself, I did drop out of school. I haven't been in schools ever since uh, I really started getting things going with trendsetters and, while I'm not in school, I can still say that I'm the biggest nerd and, like, knowledge geek on the planet. I'm reading all the time. I'm studying things. I'm taking courses on stuff. So, you know, schooling does not have to exist within the traditional system, and it also doesn't end once you, once you graduate. It, it continues, and it's always going to have to if you want to stay on top of today's trends and, and the world for that matter.
0: That, that's really nice. I think I, I agree with a lot of things you say. Definitely something very respectable. Kudos to you for making that that jump and that big decision in your life, right? I think you are definitely a role model in terms of how you definitely should take action to to seek for Mm -hmm. what you want. And yeah, I mean, it's really nice to see that that you've been able to sort of like chart your own path and, and go on where you want to pursue. So it was that jaw accident that sort of like got you thinking into, you know, you don't really want to, sort of, like, waste your time in college anymore and just want to go out there and strike it on your own.
1: Yeah, I mean, when you experience something of that nature, which is devastating for that matter, I, mean, I remember, like, literally being in in, in the hospital with my jaws wired shut, with arch bars on them and also being really sick because I had spent so long, like, just in and out of the hospital, not being able to sleep at all. And I just remember literally, like, being sick and... Literally, and this is so graphic, but literally coughing and I couldn't cough because I couldn't open my mouth and you know, you have like mucus stuck in your chest and in your throat and whatever, and literally like just coughing and choking on that and like literally passing out and just that experience, let alone of like, not, like freaking out, of course, of not being able to breathe, but more so just that experience of like, this is awful. And it really made me realize in my life, like there's very little that you can control. I can't control what happens in the global economy. I can't control what happens in politics. I can't control all these factors, but what I can control is myself and what I wanna do. And so I just said, you know what, mom and dad, I'm sorry, but I'm gonna to try to do this. Here's my game plan. Here's what I'm gonna do. But I didn't just drop out right after that. I, I really started working towards it while I kind of had that, 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 that kind of room to do so. And then I made it where it was actually moving the needle before dropping out. I think a lot of people think that, you know, a lot of the the dropout entrepreneurs and such were people that just like dropped out one day and then like built a business like the next day. But the reality is things do take time and you don't have to drop out to build a business. I know a lot of incredible people right now that run similar businesses to ours. Granted, they're not nearly as large as ours and we'll do like the revenue we do, but they're incredible organizations and and we enjoy working with them and they do great work and and they still manage a full-time school schedule at some of the best universities in in the United States. So, you know, I I think there's no right answer for everyone and it's not entrepreneurship or the college route. It's just a matter of what is best for you.
0: Yeah, I really loved it. And how has it been? So, so like the, how many years has it been now? Two, two plus years, three years? seven. And, and how has been the journey? Like you mentioned that you, you still constantly read up to educate yourself and, and to keep ahead of the trends, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, I would say there, there's kind of three phases of <clears throat> either entrepreneurship or just young individual and professional learning and development. And the first phase is you go into it and you're very wide eyed. You're looking at everything and, and you imagine the world of just endless possibilities. And you think there's an opportunity everywhere. And, and, that's really good approaching it that way. And you're eager to learn in all those arenas. But what you quickly learn is if you don't hone in on your focus on very specific details, not just like, here's our business and here's what we do, but like, here's the clients we work with. Here's what we do for those clients. Here's how we do it. Here's the process to do so. So what's funny is I was such a nerd reading up on things all the time, taking courses, learning about entrepreneurship, startups, business. But when I got rolling with trendsetters about two months in, I found myself spending so much time, getting information from other sources, talking to mentors, you know, advisors getting information any from anywhere that it was all conflicting and it was just too much. So what I actually did was I stopped reading or taking any information to heart for six months. I didn't read a single book. I didn't listen to a single article that I read. I didn't listen to any advice I was given. I just put my head down and I was like, let me just focus on what I can do. And so that's kind of the first phase is when you realize that then the second is after that works, because you are so focused, then you get to the level of, okay, now how do I improve that? That's when you go back to the drawing board, you learn things, you, you kind of reiterate, you, you build a little bit better. And, you know, that's the phase I'd say we, we've been in the past like year and a half. And then we've, we've kind of entered into our, our, our third phase, or even personally, like my third phase, which is, hey, the business is moving incredibly well. I love the direction it's going this thing is going this, this thing is an engine now. it 's going to do its thing with or without me and, and, and with or without certain people and it is it, you know it exists it 's an actual thing it 's not kind of just a, this imaginary idea so now it 's a matter of like how do I balance all the other things in life how do I best position to create new innovations and spark new ideas and, and new creativity so that's when you kind of enter that third phase where you have to think a little bit differently. So you kind of go through those three phases, both in entrepreneurship. And then I would say, you know, as a young professional, like developing things of one, you got to focus. Then two, you got to re hit the drawing board and three, you got to reinvent solutions a different way. So that, that's kind of the, the phases I, I, I like to think about it at least. And, and that's, what's been really helpful for me, you know, throughout this process.
0: I can definitely relate to the first point you mentioned. Because I myself have been reading up a lot, right? And then at some point in time there's just so much information and, and at times conflicting instructions that you yeah. get to a point where you just need to execute and and just start doing and then you figure out what works for you and, and what works for other people, you know? Like something that works for other people might not be the same for you. And yeah, so yeah. it's something I definitely agree with. And since we're on the topic of, of you specializing in the field of gen z right and that's and especially where your expertise lies in what is it about gen z that makes it such a unique generation or like something that's so
1: interesting to target yeah so for me i'm always relating to like putting myself in the brand's shoes. because if i don't you know they're not going to actually make um, any of these progressive decisions but we, we have two sides of the story here. We have brands over here who are trying to meet 90-day quarterly goals or if they're on the startup side, they to grow market share, and they have to make financial profitable decisions. Now, what you have on the other side is Gen Z, which is the generation that are are action takers. They are seeking new innovations, discoveries, learning, so on. And they're the generation that if you're doing something wrong and poorly, unlike millennials that would just complain about it, Gen Z will attack you for it. And we've seen that definitely in recent with kind of cancel culture, which is a very like social extreme of what that could be. What it looks like at a very small scale is this company doesn't align with my morals nor my values. So I'm not going to purchase from that, that company. Now that's not a problem when Gen Z is only 16 years old, but now it's 2020, the oldest of Gen Z are 25. The generation holds about 600 billion and influencing household buying power because they have so much influence on what their parents buy. And you see that within things like apparel, cosmetics, even the the food and CPG industry where once it becomes popular with young people, who buys it next? It's the moms of those people, and then the dads, and then the uncles, and then the aunts, and then the grandparents. And Facebook is my favorite example where Facebook in 2010, who was on the Facebook platform? It was college students, it was no one else. And now it's 2020, only 10 years later, Is it those same college students that are now like 30 years old? No, it's like my grandma who's 75 that spends more time on the Facebook platform than I ever will. The only time I'm ever on Facebook is strictly for some of our clients and in some way with a lot of our generation. So it shows you how things kind of trend. But you have those two sides where you have brands that are making financial based decisions, you have Gen Z that is not making financial decisions necessarily. They are more so buying because of impact and because of importance. And they're the generation that. You know, we see something that exists in the world, and rather than just accepting it for what it is, we ask why. And 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 when it doesn't make sense to us, we want to create a solution to that, or we want to purchase from a brand that does. And and so, you know, for us as an agency, we're always trying to pair those together and make it a win-win situation. Because for brands, the reality is if they do not adapt, if you do not adapt to reach and engage a generation Z audience. What is your business going to be in 10 years, right? When this generation grows, evolves, whatever, you're not going to be able to reach them then. You need to be actively reaching them now. And if you do so, that is the best long-term investment for the sustainability of your brand. Now, on the Gen Z side of things, they want to change the world. They want to change everything, how it's always been done and, and do all these things. But the problem is they're young. They're not in power. They're not CEOs of companies. They don't run corporate organizations that actually run the world. And so how can they influence that? Well, they can influence that with their pocket and they can find a middle ground with brands. And that's when you see, you know, healthier innovations happening with certain companies. And that's when you see brands that are vying for sustainability, and environmental causes and, and, and Black Lives Matter movements that Gen Z aligns with. It's because that, that is a nice ground for a win-win situation where, you know, these large corporations that are able to change the world overnight, are able to, to do so and connect with Generation Z. And, and in doing so, they not only do something better for the world, but they make it profitable and they make it make financial sense, of which is the only reason they make any decision. So it's about finding that middle ground and understanding both sides of the problem. You know, a lot of Gen Z and in our generation that, that is asking why and wondering why it works like this and and, and frankly just pissed off at the world, Of which they should be, you know? This is a generation that grew up with Large corporations, you know, promoting sugary cereal and sugary drinks, and and blatantly poisoning us, and ignoring the fact that diabetes, obesity, some of these other problems are are some of the biggest problems in our culture today. Even more so than famine and starvation, which is crazy that it's 2020 and more people this year are going to die from diabetes and obesity than they will from starvation, which was never a, a problem in human history ever until now. So, you know, when things of that nature are happening. Gen Z is, is wondering why and what they can do to create that change, and they're, and they're attempting to create that change, but what they need to realize is how the world actually operates and how it makes decisions and how they can better align to, to fit that because we as Gen Z, we can drive the change in the world we want to see and the one that's going to make the world a better place because we are the future, and it's our job to, to, to show that to brands and show that to those individuals in power and to be heard and to have our voice heard and we're doing a great job of it, but it's a job that's never going to be complete and we always have to continue pushing.
0: What, what we're also seeing more of is organizations or like big corporations try to incorporate aspects of sustainability, impact purpose into, into their business, right? So yeah. at what point in time does it become something very superficial in a, in a sense where, you know, they just introduce these terms just for the sake of it and As an add-on, what do y'all do at Trendsetters that sort of, how do y'all usually recommend that your clients approach this problem?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. And a lot of what we do is working with clients in that realm because a lot of brands approach it very inauthentically. You know, there's the famous PepsiCo, infamous that is, the famous Pepsi uh, commercial with Kylie Jenner stopping like a Black Lives Matter protest and giving a police officer like, Pepsi, as if Kylie Jenner has anything to do with that movement, uh, or Pepsi, or like any normal human being, and why does giving a police officer a Pepsi solve systemic racism? That doesn't make any sense. So that's an example of what not to do at a very high level. What, what you do need to do, and what we tell all of our brand partners, is you have to do the maximum effort. And, and we'll know what that looks like because for these public health companies, you can look at financial reports and for startups and SMBs, you, you can get a good glimpse of like what's actually possible. So you have to do the maximum effort and you have to create action. You can't just talk about it. You know, when, when Black Lives Matter dropped, there were a lot of brands that we were having conversations with that were either current partners or external partners or just wanted kind of insight and advice there. And what we explained to them is, hey, we need to walk you through a process and first understand do you actually have authority and positioning to even speak on the subject matter? Because the worst thing you can do is, is create a situation in that arena so you can drive your bottom line more profit margins. And all you're doing is creating an ad saying that you stand for something, but you're not actually doing anything to support it. And so that was a big question that we not only asked our brand partners, but we challenged from them. And so when it comes to these issues like sustainability especially, it's the, same, it, it, it's the same question. Are you actually taking every measurable possible step to create action in the market? And if not, you're not approaching this authentically, and thus we advise you shouldn't do it. And so for a lot of these brands, they, they think of it more from a PR perspective or a marketing perspective, and what we explain is this is not a marketing thing. This is a business decision. This is a morals, mission, and values decision. And so those are the things that brands need to look internally at with themselves and change before they can do anything of that nature. And, and for a lot of the brands that are supporting sustainability, environmental causes, those are all really great things. But I challenge consumers, and I also challenge those brands, to look further. It's not about giving proceeds to you know sustainability or some environmental movement like that's great at a very surface level, but how are your products actually supporting that? What is the actual like, you know, net effect of that look like? And is it actually one that's going to come out net negative, which more often than not is going to be the case. So, you know, I challenge both consumers and brands to really think about it uh, from that perspective, but this is a, a business change that has to happen. And it's one that you must approach authentically because if you don't, Gen Z is going to see right through it. Right. And
0: what do you think are the upcoming trends or like the opportunities you see in the market moving forward?
1: Yeah, so there's a lot of interesting trends happening within the Gen Z realm. I think one that's interesting is with school moving to kind of online education and attendance being a lot lower than we've ever seen. I'm interested to see how that affects the employment side of things for companies that currently require degrees. We've already seen large corporations like Google, Apple, so on, like the very forward-thinking ones. They're already not requiring college degrees of any nature, and they're launching their own certificate programs accordingly. Now, most mid sized even large corporations just don't have the resources to do that nor how, how nor know how to do it. But I think that's something that we're going to see as a change that's going to drive immense impact because if Gen Z can get in at these companies at a younger age in the positions that they want to not follow the traditional program of hey, I graduated a degree, I go into entry level, and then three, three to five to seven years later, I move up and so on so on, up the corporate ladder. What we need to realize is we have now five generations in the workforce, which is something we, we frankly haven't seen before. And so the better collaboration we can create across those generations where everyone at the table or everyone has a seat at the table, um, the better. So that's an interesting trend happening. Obviously, everything happening with TikTok has been wild to see, especially with the music collaborations that we've seen recently. And TikTok is still an exploding platform that offers just so immense opportunity, but it's not even about the TikTok platform. It's it's about the culture that it drives. If you go look at the top trending song, the U.S. viral 50, you'll see that of those 50 songs, about 35, 37, I was just looking last night are actually from TikTok and there were trends created there. And then it's the culture and the verbiage and the communication that happens inside that platform that then spills over to others that is so impactful. So not only is TikTok huge, but the culture that it's created and connecting Gen Z is one that we, we frankly haven't seen yet. I mean, Instagram never had capabilities of this nature. Snapchat never had the global reach that TikTok really has. And so I think we're seeing something that, that is frankly new. And I don't know if we've seen this before where such a large cohort is on a platform so often in driving culture. So I think that's another big one. But these are trends happening in Gen Z, the education and employment situation. And then the TikTok and kind of culture there and how that affects music, which, you know, music is such a driver of culture. So it's always interesting to see like how music connects with culture, creates it, and then ultimately like embodies it, you know, following and how that kind of shifts consumer sentiment. So that's, you know, trends happening in the market. What we'll also see, we won't see it right away, but we'll see this years down the line is that because of this kind of event is Gen Z, which right now hasn't seen a you know, a collapse of this nature. Obviously we were alive for like 08 financial crisis, but outside of that, we haven't seen like true impact in our pocket or wallet in our lives. And so COVID is going to have lasting effects, not only for all generations, but especially Gen Z, which is learning to adapt in new ways that frankly, other generations are going to have a difficult time catching up to. So that's something we'll notice years down the line, but it's one of those things where we have to wait and see.
0: Okay. That's interesting. And just to, to wrap up our discussions, right? do you think uh, there's anything else that you want to add on or anything I, I did not mention?
1: Yeah, of course. Well, you know, in, in that advice, I'd say, first off, that like, globalization is, is going to continue to ramp on and to ignore everything happening in the political sphere because, yes, that's true. That, that's, it's, it's wild. We have countries moving more nationalists and creating some problems. We'll see you know, based on U.S. election, like how that changes. But nationalism certainly is rising in certain arenas. But in terms of Generation Z, we are more globally connected than ever. And we're also a generation that, you know, it, it, it doesn't matter what country you're from or what you do or what your culture is like. We respect you for your ideas, your opinions, your insights. And so global connectivity at a massive scale, I think, is only going to continue to rise. And so I advise that for anyone, especially outside of the U.S., to you know, not necessarily look at U.S. just for just for what is Silicon Valley, LA, New York, Boston, San Francisco, so on. Uh, but to look at it from for more than that, and also not to take what's happening in the political sphere as like a bias of this is how how America actually feels. Going because I can assure you that's not the case. And similarly, you know, for you know for our audience here in the U.S., it, it, it's a matter of like that globalization is real, and we need to actively be doing things to connects with it and and there's emerging markets everywhere. And I can't wait to see um, how how that continues to kind of scale. So that's kind of my first thing. And then the second thing I would say is, you know, with COVID happening right now and going to continue to linger on for quite some time, there's this notion that there's no opportunities out there and that this is an awful time and things of that nature. But while, while that may be true at a global economic scale, it's not true in a microcosm. And there are opportunities in places, opportunities that didn't exist prior to COVID. And this is also a really unique time where you can really hone in and focus on your personal development, where the world is slowing down. And what I said to my team day one, when, when, when COVID kind of became like the, the new norm, at least here in the United States, is that while everyone else slows down, we need to put our foot on the gas pedal and speed up because now is the time to do it. Now is the time to get ahead. And so for young people in particular, especially young entrepreneurs, now is the time to kill it. Don't slow down. Don't use this time just because you're a little bit ahead and getting ahead of your competition because your Gen X, you know, the, the Gen X in the workforce right now, they have kids they got to deal with at home and things of that nature. Don't slow down. Use this time to get ahead. And so those are my, my two pieces of advice to kind of close things out.
0: Okay. Thank you so much for that. And I'll just end off with one question, which is what does success
1: look like to you? That's a great question. You know, success is not for me, at least monetary. It's not dollar signs. It's not massive companies. It's not working with the biggest brands in the world, changing the world, anything of that nature. It is reaching your personal maximum potential and understanding that there's always a version of you that is doing those extra things. And when you skip the gym, there's a version of you, maybe it's an alternate universe or something of that nature for those that believe in some some theories in that arena. Maybe it's not, but there's a version of you that's working harder, that's achieving their full potential. And every single day you're met with circumstances where you can choose to to embody that and and to reach that full potential and and not. And I think a lot of people think that entrepreneurship, success, growth, personal development is is all these things put together in a very macro sense. But really what it is, is it's all the tiny decisions you make every single day. It's reaching for the, the healthier alternative of a coffee that doesn't have any added sugar or anything of that nature and, and all this MC2 oil and such versus the sugary latte, right? It's it's reaching for the healthy snack versus the not healthy snack. It's, it's going to bed early so you can, you can crush it the next day instead of uh, staying up and watching Netflix. It's, it's reading that book instead of scrolling on Instagram. But – it's not just doing that once. It's not doing that a few times or more. It's doing the right choice every single time. And that is the difficulty where success is made and achieving your full potential. So for me, success is about achieving your full potential of what you could be if you made every single right decision and getting as close to that as possible.
0: Okay, I I have to ask one follow-up question, which is what are some of your daily habits that you employ that, allows you to attain that kind of personal mastery.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So my, and this is something I've got a lot better at. So for everyone listening, I used to be the the hustle bro. I would wake up, I would literally work like not think about work, not like kind of be working, not like take a lunch break. I would work every single day from 7am in office, by the way, not on the way to the office in office from 7am to 7pm every single day for probably 18 months when we first started. And that's what I did. I didn't take a lunch break. I ended up in the facet every day. The only break I would take was to go to the bathroom or to drink coffee and I was boom, boom, boom every single day. And while that was great. And that's what we needed to do right away. Oh, and this was not five days a week. This is seven days a week. I'm talking seven days a week, no Sundays holidays. We're still working. We're trying you know, we're figuring out a way. There's no going out and meeting with friends. Or, or going to dinner with family even. I mean, you got to turn down and sacrifice some really vital things uh, for your well-being. And what I learned from that experience is that is not sharpening my blade. And <clears throat> if I spend all of my time just chopping down the tree, at some point the blade on my axe is going to get dull. And I need to sharpen that. So since then, I've really focused on how can I become sharper, more efficient, more productive, and more knowledgeable, all those things. So now, some of the daily habits I have, which I have a LinkedIn post that breaks down all of these, happy to refer people there. But first thing I do when I wake up, I'll immediately read for about 13, 30, 30 minutes, then about 10, 15 minutes on this app called Elevate, which is kind of this brain training game. And then I'll likely meditate. Then I'll do a version of yoga. This is all, first thing when I wake up, I'm chugging a little bit of Himalayan pink salt with lemon. And then I'll have a coffee, which is likely a, a keto one with some sort of fat mixed in. So my body's running on fats early in the morning. Then I intermittent fast all day. When I'm working, I like to take, you know, two to five minute breaks every single hour to kind of just get some fresh air. And, you know, I'll meditate, I'll work out daily, no matter what I'm, I'm working out at some point. It doesn't need to be a two hour workout where I'm doing a crazy squats and deadlifts, but I'm doing some sort of workout every single day. I'm, I'm eating right, which is really important. It's gonna be high protein, low carb diet. I'm not gonna get, eat pretty much any sugar ever. So those are just a few of the things that I consistently work on to to kind of improve myself. I try to avoid what I call like just dopamine influxes. So whether it's really delicious food or like movies or things of that nature, trying to limit that and let your body kind of mellow out its dopamine and serotonin levels and all those different things, which is really good for the body. And then I try to get about six, seven hours uh, of sleep a night. I don't always do that. That's the only one I consistently mess up. But that's kind of what my daily routine looks like. And I make sure that every single day I'm at least hitting something of that nature and really focused on what does my morning routine look like? And what does my nightly routine look like? Those are the two most, most important.
0: Okay. Thank you so much for that. And yeah, I think that that's all I have for now. Thank you so much for doing this episode with me. And I really like how, how driven and purposeful your actions are. It's, it's inspiring to see, to say the least. And it's been great speaking to you. Hope, trends continue to do well and yeah thank you so much
1: of course yeah thanks so much for having me on and for all the listeners here feel free to find me on social jake Dj O R S E P A, pretty much everywhere on social i'm the only person on the now. so you uh, should be able to hunt me. Down.
0: Yep, i'll definitely include the links to to your social channels in in the episode
1: of course thanks
0: thank you We appreciate you joining us for this episode of Learning with Young Leaders. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit zirconioriginal.com slash podcast for more resources based on today's topic. That's zirconioriginal.com slash podcast. Until next time, stay curious, keep learning.